You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Christ Walk Church, it is so good to be with all of you today. How's everybody doing? I want to thank you guys for for joining us this morning. Thanks to everyone that's watching with us online. If you got a Bible uh, with you or a smart device, um, turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 John. This is not to be confused with the Gospel of John, which is towards the beginning of the New Testament. It's actually uh, the book of 1 John, which is the first of three uh, epistles or letters that were written by John. Uh, towards the end of the New Testament. So 1 John chapter 2, we're going to land there in just a minute. But, you know, the weather is nice outside and like spring has officially sprung and there's birds chirping in the air. And so I feel like playing a game. Can we play a game here this morning? Is that okay with everybody? So um, I'm going to name a restaurant and I want you to tell me what they are known for, okay? Okay. So I'm going to name a restaurant. You tell me what they're known for. For example, if I said Taco Bell, you would say getting our order wrong. That's what you would say. No, I'm kidding. Sort of. You would say tacos, right? Okay, so you see how it goes, all right? So um, uh, McDonald's. Okay. I said the Big Mac. That's their signature sandwich. I heard uh, broken ice cream machine, which um, is an acceptable answer. I also would have accepted regret and disappointment. Um, those, those are viable answers, but um, I went with Big Mac. Uh, Burger King. The Whopper. Right. You guys are catching on pretty good. You guys are catching on. Um, Chick-fil-A. The chicken sandwich. The chicken sandwich, because it even says on the wall in their restaurant, we didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. How about Arby's? So, <laughs> two for six dollars. Um, yeah, Arby's, I, I, roast beef is, is, is the, you know, really the correct answer. And, and I've, I, I do just, I'm going to take a moment in the middle of this game. It's not in my notes, but I have a little beef with Arby's. They need to change their slogan to, we have most of the meats or we have some of the meats. Because I went in the other day and I wanted one of those ham and cheese melts. And they said, I'm sorry, sir, we no longer carry ham. And I turned, and there was a picture of the sandwich that I wanted on the wall. And they were like, oh, that's an old picture. And I'm like, but it says that you have the meats. Any, anyways, I was angry, very angry. Baskin Robbins, ice cream. How many flavors, though? 31. Some of the younger people in the room were like, what's he talking about? Um, you'll even see a hidden 31 in their logo, so go and look for it. Yeah, 31 flavors. Um, finally, Krispy Kreme. What kind of donuts, though? Oh, but what kind of glazed donuts? Hot donuts now, and I just felt the Holy Ghost right there. 
All right, sermon's over. Let's all have the Krispy Kreme. Here's the question. Here's the question. For those of us who claim to follow Jesus, and I realize that may not be everybody in the room, and so if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, thanks for being here today. Thanks for watching with us online. This is a place that you don't have to believe to belong, and so I'm just thankful that you're here. But for those of us that do claim to follow Jesus, what are we known for? Or or better yet, what should we be known for? And that's what I want to drill down in and, and for us to talk about for the next few minutes today as we continue with part three of our series, We Need to Talk, where we're taking a look at the letter of 1 John from the New Testament. This letter was written to believers uh, probably in the province of Asia. And John used this letter that he wrote as a means of um, denouncing the rise of false teachings like Gnosticism that were creeping their way into the church and to encourage those claiming to follow after Jesus Christ to live out a real and authentic faith. And, and John's letter, this, this first letter here, it, it contains three litmus tests, if you will, to help the believer to determine whether or not their faith is true and authentic. And last week, we talked about the first of those litmus tests of sorts, which is walking in obedience and the, important, uh, the importance of being obedient to the word and, and, and to what the, what the Bible teaches. And today, we're going to zero in on the second of those tests, and that is walking in love. And so let's begin with the end in mind. Here's what I believe um, God's word is speaking to us and what I'm going to attempt to try to prove and support um, to all of you here this morning. And it's simply this. If you're taking notes, perhaps you want to write this down. Living like Jesus requires loving like Jesus. Living like Jesus requires loving like Jesus. In fact, for those of us who claim to be followers of Christ, it's what we should be known for. But if I can be honest, is that okay if I'm honest with everybody this morning? Yeah? Some of you, uh, a bunch of you would probably prefer that I lie to you apparently because only one person said yes. You can be honest with us. Um, If I can be honest, I'd really rather that this concept or this idea not be in the scriptures at all. Because here's what I've come to discover. Loving other people is hard. It is way more fun and way easier to be an insensitive, cold-hearted jerk. And that is my natural, like, that's just who I am. Like, Like, I've discovered, like, that's... That's the, the natural bent that I have is, is to be that way rather than, rather than loving other people. And, and the reason that loving other people is so hard is because um, they do things that bother me. Can I get a witness in the house? Is there anybody? Okay, I got a few people. I got a few. The reason loving people is hard is because they do things that bother me. In fact, one of, one of my life mottos is, is simply this. People who do things bother me. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they're doing because they're not doing it my way. They're not seeing it my way. They're not getting out of my way. It has nothing to do with my way. And when I don't get my way, I get bothered. 
bothered, and I don't really feel like loving. And I bet if you were honest, you would say, Pastor Blake, there's a part of me, at least, that's in that boat along with you. And God, in his infinite wisdom and in accordance with his grandiose sense of humor, saw fit to call me to a lifetime of service and love to, you guessed it, people. So for the rest of today, I'm simply going to have a conversation with myself, and hopefully the rest of you can glean something from it as well. So 1 John chapter 2, here's what he has to say about love. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. He says, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one that you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. Yet, it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. So, for the remainder of our time here this morning, I want to talk about three things that we must understand about love. That if we're going to be a loving people, that if love is something that we're going to be known for, there's three things that you and I have to understand about it. And it starts with, um, number one, that love is a commandment. Love is a commandment said in the passage that we read, it's a commandment for you. It's an old one that you've heard from the beginning, but it's also new. And the commandment that uh, John is talking about there is a commandment that was uttered from the very mouth of Jesus himself back in John chapter 13, verses 30, verse 34. He, he says, so now, this is Jesus speaking, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And not only was this something that Jesus said, it was something that he personified. Like, he didn't just talk the talk. Jesus backed it up by walking the walk. Through the way that he lived, you and I have been given an example of how we should live as well. John says that Jesus lived out the very truth of this commandment. That when we look at Jesus and we look at the way that he lived his life from start to finish and everywhere in between, he lived out love and set that example for us. And not only is loving others a commandment, it's the commandment. It's not just a commandment, it's, it's the commandment. And we often hear this referred to as the great commandment. Maybe you've heard this passage before out of Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. It says, one of them, a Pharisee, being an expert in religious law, tried to trap him, speaking of Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. 
So those two commandments go hand in hand. We've talked about this before. First, we've got to love the Lord our God. That is a vertical relationship. And then we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's a horizontal relationship. And isn't it interesting that that forms a cross and the example of love personified went and hung on a cross so that both of those relationships could be in right standing with each other through the guy and under the guise of this thing called love. And he says, this love that not only I'm talking about, but that I'm displaying by the way that I'm going to live on that, that is, that's the linchpin for all of the law and the prophets, for everything that I've taught you, for everything that is in this book, love is the linchpin. It is the, it's the nail on which all of the rest of that hangs. I can remember when I was in college, and as I was talking to Mark and Laura before um, church this morning, because we were talking about how um, I took a semester of Japanese in college, and um, all that I remember is shuwa tsubara shii, which means the Lord is wonderful. So I'm fully equipped for them to pack me up in their suitcase <laughs> and take me along with them. I can be like their hype man. You know, as they go around, I could just pop up out of places and go, Shua, Subarashii, and then disappear, you know. <laughs> but they pointed out how long ago it was that I was in college and how I'm getting old and wrinkled and bald. And, but I can still remember, um, if, you, if, you know, if, if, if you can imagine that I can, I can still remember there were some classes um, in college that I wanted to take in one semester in particular. But when I went to register for them, they said, I'm, I'm sorry, Blake, you, you can't register for those classes. Because come to find out, in, in order for me to enroll in those classes, I first had to take a different class that laid the foundation for the things that I was going to learn in those other classes. And, and these were known as prerequisites, right? You've heard of this before. A prerequisite is something that is required beforehand. And ultimately what John is saying to us here is that love is the prerequisite for the Christian faith. That before we can grow in our faith, before we can ever become who God has called us to be, before we can ever be identified as a fully mature believer in Jesus Christ, we first have to learn to love, love other people. We first got to get this love thing right before we can move on to the advanced levels of what God is wanting to do in and through our life. And I came to, to deliver a message of hope to everyone this morning. And the message of hope is this, is that, that the Bible says that in the last days, like loving people, it's going to get even harder than it is, than it has been before. Matthew 24, 12, Jesus says that in the last days, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Like that's not very, you know, that, that's kind of disheartening when you think about it. That like as hard as it is to love people now, that like as this thing progresses and we get closer and closer and closer to the time of Jesus' return, it's going to be even more difficult for us to love people because sin is going to be rampant of everywhere and the love of many is going to grow cold. The result of this is, is, is twofold. First, because of their choice to engage in rampant sin, others are going to wane in or perhaps deny altogether their love for God and his people. 
And then secondly, because of the increase of sin and lawlessness around us, we're going to have difficulty with loving others, finding qualities about them that are worthy of our love. And so it's going to challenge us that, that for those of us that, that we keep the faith, it's, it's going to challenge us to, to show love toward others. And our love is going to grow cold. And it says that, that that's what's going to happen in the last days because of the rise of sin, that People all over the place, they're going to struggle in their love for one another. And Peter, in his first letter, in chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. And most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Peter knew that just like Jesus says that as the time gets closer and as it was going to become more difficult, Peter said, if there's one thing that you do, make sure that you put a lot of effort and intention and intensity and purpose into loving other people as that day approaches. I love these words from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So in other words, as sin and darkness increase in the world around us, so must our commitment to shine the love and the light and the life of Jesus Christ into those dark places and how we think and how we act and how we speak. Love is a commandment. Number two, love is a choice. Love is a choice. First John 3, 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. John writes, this is what we ought to do. But that word, that word ought implies that we have a choice in the matter. When someone has a different theological view than we do, we have a choice in how we react or respond to that person. When someone has a different religious view than we do, we have a choice in how we treat that person. When someone has a different political view than we do, we have a choice and how we behave toward that person. When someone has a different worldview than we do, we have a choice in how we show love to that person. When someone does or says something to you that you disagree with or that, that hurts your feelings, we have a choice in how we react or respond. And I recently saw something in, in Perhaps I should have said something about this long before now, but I, I just need to get something off of my chest. I, I saw a car with several stickers on its rearview window um, not too long ago. And, you know, it was the, the typical stuff like my kid is an honor student at such and such school. And there was a sports team logo in one corner, right, displayed prominently in the center at the top. It was, in God we trust. And then at a different, port, uh, different part of, of, of the window, there was, a, there was a church logo. And then the last sticker that I noticed was a Let's Go Brandon sticker. 
Now, for the record, the church logo was not a Christ Walk sticker. Some of you are getting a little nervous. <clears throat> I got a lot of problems with that. Because it, it's, this isn't a political thing. This is a Jesus thing. And so, like, those things don't mix. The church logo, the in God we trust, and then the let's go Brandon, which we all know what that really stands for. Whether we disagree or agree, whether we're right or left, blue or red, what, like, what, however we align ourselves, at the end of the day, he's a person, a creation of God, and he is our president. So however we feel about him, our responsibility is to not shout obscenities his way. It's to get on our hands and knees and our face and pray for him and for the other leaders of our country, regardless of which side of the aisle we find ourselves on. Here's a little known fact. You can disagree with someone and still be loving toward them. Like, at, at, no, at no point do, do, does disagreement require that we demean or defame or degrade. That, that's, that's not a requirement of that. We can, we can disagree and still show love, and life can still move on the way that it needs to. But the world has convinced us that in order to love, we also have to agree or condone or accept and that's simply not the truth. And, and I would encourage you to come back next week or tune in next week online. I'm going to be talking about walking in truth and how all of that kind of connects into obedience and love and, and, and some of the, the, um, the current events that we've been dealing with here in the United States and, and in our world and just some things that I'm seeing and how we can make sense of all of it. See, we, we, can, we can be in the world yet separate from it, and still behave in love towards everyone that is around us. And the place that that starts is right here in this house. With the people that we come into to corporate worship with and we don't necessarily see eye to eye with and we have disagreements with and everything, it starts with us loving the other brothers and sisters, the believers in the faith. Because if, if you can't show love, if we can't show love to the people inside the church, we'll never be able to show love to people outside the church. And, and make no mistake, the, the world is, is sitting up and they're, they're looking and they're watching and they're paying attention. And, and if we can't figure out how to love one another and we can't figure out how to display the love of Jesus Christ in the lives of those of us who claim to be Christ followers, then those that are outside the faith, they are never going to want to have anything to do with anything that we offer them in regard to relationship with Jesus Christ. Because they're going to look at how we love one another and say, if that's what it's all about, then count me out. So they're paying attention to how we live and the love that we display and the way that we go about it. And, and Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 43 through 48. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. 
For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. What's the standard here? Perfection. Wow. Perfection is the standard. That means that that, that's what we've got to strive toward. That there is no, there is no, there, no, no second best. There is no watered down version of this. There, there is no compromise. It is perfection as Jesus is perfect in this. That's how we ought to strive to live our lives in love. Paul talks about the attitude that you and I have to have. To have. The approach that you and I have to take, Romans 12, 10, he says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. A couple of our values here at Christ Walk Church are, one, honor is our calling, that we feel like we've been called by the Lord to honor those that are around us. We honor up, we honor down. We honor sideways in every aspect of our lives and our relationships with everyone that we come in contact with. We are to honor people. And then another one of our values is that authenticity is our lifestyle. Paul writes about loving each other with genuine affection. That, that it's, it's not like, well, I love you because I have to to go to heaven. That's not love. No, I love you because because I want to, because I'm choosing to. Because even though we may not see eye to eye on this, even though we may be so far apart, even though we may disagree, I know that that loving is is it's to be loving is the example that Jesus set for me. And I want to live my life in accordance with his principles and and by his example. And I want to become more like him because not because it's something that I have to do, but it's something that I choose to do because I know I'm 100 percent convinced that it is the best way to live. And so that's why I'm going to do it. And then we get to reap the benefits of that. And when we choose to live his way, the end result is always blessing. It's always blessing. So when we live a lifestyle of love and we do it with honor and we do it with authenticity, it becomes a part of who we are. Then the question becomes like, what's, what's the measuring stick for this, like, how, how can we ensure that we can be loving or that, that we're being loving or that we're showing love to those around us? And I'm so glad that you asked that question. You always ask such great questions. And, and to, to find that measuring stick, we have to look no further than 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It ain't just for wedding ceremonies. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, 
but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Each one of those attributes of what love is about, you know what it is? It's a choice. It's a choice. Every single one of those attributes is something that that someone who is loving or who is displaying love, it's something that they're choosing to be or to do. I'm going to choose to be patient. I'm going to choose to be kind. I'm going to choose to not let jealousy rule or to not boast inappropriately or to be proud or rude. I'm going to choose that I don't demand my own way. I'm I'm going to choose not to be irritable. I'm going to choose not to keep records of being wrong. Or I'm going to choose not to rejoice in injustice. I'm going to choose instead to rejoice when the truth wins out. I'm going to choose to never give up. I'm going to choose to never lose faith. I'm going to choose to remain hopeful in every circumstance. I'm going to choose to endure till the very end because I'm going to be a person of love. That's what it looks like. It's making that choice in every situation, in every circumstance, regardless of what comes our way. And so... Just hypothetically, something for you to think about, to chew on. If you were to take an inventory of your lifestyle, your interactions with other people, and the choices that you've been making towards your response, your reaction, your attitude, your words, your thoughts, how would they line up to 1 Corinthians 13? That's the measuring stick for whether or not we're loving the way that we're supposed to. Love is a command. Love is a choice. Finally, number three, love is a confirmation. Love is a confirmation. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. I learned it in the, New King, or in the King James Version when I was a kid. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 33 years ago, I learned those verses. I was seven years old in kids' church. The New Living Translation reads this way. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. It's important to note that in in that that passage there that, that John says love comes from God. We, we need to realize that, that you and I, simply put, we, we do not possess the power, the ability, the, the, the wherewithal that it takes to love others the way that we ought to. We, we have to depend on God for that. that. That's the only place that we're going to get it. When we try to love out of our own strength and our own power, we're going to fall short every single time. But in Galatians 5.22, Paul writes this. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. And then joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things, they, they spill over out of that first evidence. 
It's not by coincidence that love comes first when we're talking about the evidence, the fruit of the spirit that is produced in the life of the believer. Because the only way that you and I are ever going to be able to produce the kind of love that is required by God is through complete and total dependence on his Holy Spirit. So if there's an area of your life where patience and kindness and not being rude and boastful and arrogant and all of those things, if, if that's not on display, then that's an area of your life that you're not leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit. That's an area of our life that, that, we've, that we've cut off and compartmentalized. And we've kinked the hose to the flow of the Holy Spirit in that area of our life. But when we do open that up, and when we do commune with his spirit, what happens is, is, is that, that a, a, as we open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we, we come to know God, and then we find out, as it says, that, that he is love. It says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. When we open ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we, we come to the realization that he is love. And as we grow in that understanding of, of our Heavenly Father and, and who he is, we, gra- we gain a greater understanding of how we are to be as a result. And there's a cycle that starts to take place. To know love is to know God. And to know God is to know love. And the more we know love, the more we know God. And the more we know God, the more we know love. And the greater we open our lives for him to work his Holy Spirit through us so that we can become the kind of love personified that Jesus was. And remember the great commandment that we talked about earlier. We cannot love God without also loving our fellow man. And we cannot love our fellow man without also loving God. It's a cycle. Each one is dependent on the other. And and here's why this is so important. Why Why it's integral for you and for me to embrace this commandment and choose to live this way. John 13, 34 through 35. We, we read 34 already. We're going to read 35. Now it's what Jesus said. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Why do we need to live this way? So that the world can know. We live this way so that the world can know. See, to to be a a Christ follower, to call ourselves a Christian, what that means is that we're actually a, a little Christ. We are a mirror image of him for others around us to see. And, and the way that we love others will let them know whether or not we're a true follower of Jesus. Because to live like Jesus, we've got to love like Jesus. It's what we should be known for. But watch what happens. 
the way we love also paints a picture for others of what Jesus is all about, what he is like, and what he's done for them. And when we show the love of Jesus, we shine the light of Jesus. Both of those things happen in tandem. When, when we love other people, then the, the light of Jesus Christ shows up on the scene. And his light eliminates the darkness of sin. And it illuminates the power of his salvation. And, and so he, here's, here's the message that you and I have been given both the opportunity and the responsibility to proclaim through the way that we love other people. By simply being a conduit for the Holy Spirit to flow through to the world around us and to show the love of Jesus and to shine his light, here's the message that we illuminate. It's 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We're gonna close this message this morning by partaking in communion. If you're watching with us online, just simply join in with us with whatever you have on hand. If you're here in the room, you've got a cup like this in your seat or in one near you, I want to invite you to grab that. But before we move any further into this moment, I, I, would, I would hesitate going forward before providing an invitation that whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online, if, if you've never received the love of Jesus Christ in your life, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that today. Perhaps you've never accepted the gift of God's love through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the grave on the third day. You've never entered into a, a right relationship with your heavenly father. If you'd like to do that this morning, if that's you today, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. As we prepare our hearts for communion, let's pray this together to invite the Lord into our hearts. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.